Good morning, everybody. This is Adam Shartoff, your host of FilmWax Radio. It is Friday, October the 30th, 2020, and this is episode number 641. I'm not going to make the assumption you voted, but I'm just hoping you have, or at least, at the very least, that you have a plan. This is the very last episode before Election Day, and so I just feel compelled to do my bit and uh, plea with those who are maybe not making a plan or choosing uh, to opt out. Please don't. One of the guests today is from North Carolina, and so I, I know that the people that there that are there are voting. This is a big deal. We're going to see which way North Carolina goes this year. The guest is Dan Brawley, who is called the Chief Instigating Officer at Kukaloris, which is a wonderful independent film festival uh, that takes place in Wilmington, North Carolina, every year, and this year is no exception. Dan will be our first guest, then we will be talking to filmmakers and musician Kaz Phillips and Greg Lohman in a little bit about their short film. Uh, but first up here is uh, Dan, who I've been wanting to invite on the podcast for a really long time. Kukaloris will be running from November 11th through the 25th, like many other festivals that are choosing to... Uh, take place this year despite a raging pandemic they are doing some events in person at drive-ins under very very safe conditions very 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 specific conditions you have to uh, pass all sorts of uh, parameters or create those parameters uh, and go through quite an arduous process i'm assuming in order to uh, be able to do a public event like even a drive-in but uh, nevertheless uh, they are doing some drive-ins. They're also doing a virtual festival. And Kukaloris, like a handful of other film festivals of its size and regionality, if that's a word, are doing an ex and a, and a, and a really great job, a really great job in programming a f their festival every year. And so I wanted to have Dan on, who I, I've known uh, through... Um, primarily through social media, over the years. Uh, and finally, now, we, we have Dan Brawley uh, on the podcast to represent for the Kukaloris Film Festival. Uh, uh, you can go to kukaloris.org and check out the full festival. Tickets are currently available for the festival. No matter where you are, you can see films, shorts, features, etc. And I hope to make this a regular thing with Kukaloris. It's a really great group of people that run this festival. So I support them. And we will be speaking with Dan. Now, uh, if you haven't heard, I've been doing many of these efforts, the majority of these interviews, these conversations, if you will, on, on Zoom, of course. And they are on the Filmwax Radio YouTube channel. So you can go to youtube.com slash Filmwax Radio. 
and actually just watch this interview just as easily as listen to it, but that's up to you. And and, and the, uh, we'll get to Kaz and Greg in a minute, but those guys, interestingly enough, this this interview that we did took place very early on in the during the pandemic when we were quarantining, and I was still in New York City, and um, I hadn't really used started using Zoom quite yet to record or make the podcast, and so. We did it with a different tool, which we enjoyed, but it's an only an audio-only segment. So don't look for that one with Kaz and Greg, but that will be coming up in a little while. First here, delighted for the first time. In fact, everybody that's on this podcast, on this episode, is on for the first time, which is very nice. First here is Dan Brawley, North Carolina native, here on Film Wax Radio. don't like who's in there, vote them out. That's what election day is all about. The biggest gun we've got is called the ballot box. So if you don't like who's in there, vote them out. Vote them out. I feel like uh, I've been following Kukaloris, wanting to do something with you guys on this podcast for a really long time, and that finally, under the most bizarre years ever, or within the most bizarre year ever, we're finally getting to do this. Who knows? The years might keep getting weirder and weirder. That's true. Uh, That's although it's hard to envision that, but I guess you're right. We can't. Well, when when Ivanka Trump gets elected to her third term as the president uh we'll right. look back and think how normal this was or when ivanka trump gets elected to donald trump's third term <laughs> <laughs> oh man so are, are you you're at home right now i'm at uh our office uh yeah wabi sabi warehouse wabi sabi oh that's cool and you're the the the, the festival is how many weeks away now it's is it november 11th Eleventh. says four weeks from today okay so how yeah. much in the you know in the thick of of uh, are you right now how many hours of your day dan brawley do you spend on the festival and is this the same as it would normally be in terms of your time you know like, i'll say that the, the time frame is not that much different. Uh, the work is a little bit different because our staff is about a third of the size that it would normally be. And so, okay. you know, I'm kind of shifting gears more often and it's not quite as social. Uh, the energy is not quite as social and, and spirited, um, but it still feels special and important, you know, in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. And describe the months leading up to what went into this year's plans and what you're grappling with uh, in terms of choices, where ways to go. Were you considering? What was? Did you ever even consider maybe skipping 2020? Was that even an option? No, we never really considered that. It just didn't feel necessary, and 
we held a filmmaker's lounge on Zoom early in the pandemic lockdown. And the response we got from our filmmakers was really overwhelming. It's like, man, do something, you know, uh, even if it's so wildly different that it, you know, feels like it comes out of, out of some other dimension. Uh, let's do something. Let's get together. Let's celebrate each other. Mm. And we got really lucky. We run four festivals. We run a, a festival through a partnership with the Lumbee tribe, showcasing films directed by indigenous filmmakers and American Indian filmmakers. And that happened in July. We hold a small festival in a town called Wilson for short films made in North Carolina. Um, and then we also hold a festival in the Outer Banks. That, oh, um, I didn't know that. Just shows surf movies. Uh, oh, yes. And we, I did see the, I remember getting the emails about that. Yes. I didn't realize it was in the Outer Banks, but okay. Surf Alora. So, you know, we had a chance to test out uh, the virtual festival model. And so we, you know, we experimented with a few things. We learned a lot. Um, and we had some great events. You know, all of a sudden, all the filmmakers can come to the Q&A. Uh, we had a Q&A &A at the Lumbee Film Festival, and there were filmmakers from five different time zones. Uh, it was 10 p.m. where we were, and then there was a group of filmmakers on the Solomon Islands who were eating breakfast. <laughs> That's uh, wild. So, That's you know, we really, we really tried to... Um, take advantage of the things that are unique to this current moment. Um, and, and it's worked. Yeah. And, and, and in a weird way, because if you do like these uh, virtual components, if you have these virtual components or uh, especially when it comes to like filmmakers being all over the world, potentially, it really makes um, drives home a point about, films and filmmakers and, and the film community, you know, and how, how all over we are, you know, dispersed, dispersed, but at the same time connected, you know, and what a, and what a festival like Kukuloris is able to do. It's, it's pretty, pretty wonderful. Yeah. So we tested some things out, you know, one of the things we tested out was just doing really short shorts blocks, like 30 or 40 minutes um, and then making more time for conversation. Uh, because what you do miss in the virtual format is you miss like heading out of the cinema and going to the pub next door and talking for two hours. Right. And so we tried to make and more And against space. your will, I might add. You don't <laughs> just... Yeah, sorry. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Twist my arm. Yeah, right. I know that's, that's true, and I think we're all feeling that loss that, uh, in a big way. In a, you yeah. know, on some level, the festivals that are, are able to figure out how to uh, survive or to just, you know, continue this particular year and going into the next one are uh, giving us a way of holding on the people that, that normally really, you know, love festivals. And Kukuloris is, is also a festival that is, it's got a great reputation in the, you know, festival world and in the indie film world. People really love that festival. They love going to it. So this is good, at least as uh, a, a, I don't know, you know, a temporary solution, I suppose. Uh, I, 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 I say temporary because also it's, uh, I really do feel like we're figuring out going forward and that 
in a way you're well positioned you know you you as a festival you know you have a a track history and you have also you're you're located in a warmer climate which yeah. i think is yeah. nice for outdoor not options not a bad place to be i mean you know we've been spending a lot of time at the beach um and walking i mean i've been walking a lot um you know so i'll say one of the things that has happened is that um you know, like when you're forced to clean out your closet, mm-hmm. this is one of those moments. It's like, you know, obviously we don't have as many sponsors as we used to. And so we had to, we had to decide what clothes we love the best. You know, it was like what parts of this magical experience are, are essential to, to Kukaloris. And um, that's actually been really, really like fun and also difficult, but like being forced to just decide what's, the most important. Um, and so I think that's what you'll see at this year's festival is that, you know, we really push the boundary in terms of being transparent about equity and supporting more black filmmakers, more indigenous filmmakers, more Latinx filmmakers. Um, we've for years have been showing at least 50% of the films uh, at the festival have been directed by women. This year, I think we upped that up to like 67%, you know, so, I think this really um, inspired us to like try to live up to our values uh, even more than than before. Um, so that time of like that first three months of the pandemic, when we sort of kind of hit pause, created some space to have some conversations that uh, I think were important um, and kind of hopefully will sort of lead us. Like this isn't just like a, a year that has an asterisk next to it. This is the beginning of a new era. Uh, how uh, a lot of festivals have are where you know this is a badge. Uh, you know, it's the the you know in terms of diversity among their programming, and um, I. But it sounds as though this is something that you and your team have really been. Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, conscientious of for quite some time. Is that true? Is that always been sort of part of the Kukaloris mission, I suppose you could say? You know, um, I uh, became part of this organization called Alternate Roots about 10 or maybe 11 years ago. And it ended up being almost like grad school for me. And it's an organization that really focuses on undoing racism through the arts. Um, and I learned a lot there and, you know, like a lot of important changes that's taken time here at Google Loris to, to like walk this community through, uh, some of those ideas. Um, and yeah, we have been sort of at this for a while, but, uh, the social movement that, you know, took flight earlier this year really encouraged us to take it a step further and be really honest with ourselves about what kind of work needed to be done. And, you know, making more time and more space for doing that work. Um, You know, we have two or three programs that have been exclusively dedicated to black filmmakers for several years. And so, you know, that's created a nice base of support or, or like experience to make this next move, which is to reach what we think of as like some real equity. Um, And so, um, yeah, it's 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 gonna take. It's not something that you just do overnight, but it's also not as hard as people think. 
because uh, because there are many many uh, there is a diverse population of filmmakers right you just have to maybe work a little bit at finding them it's easy to uh, i mean on a smaller scale i have encountered that with this very podcast where it's very easy to uh to invite on countless guests that look like me and uh but in order to reflect what i think is is a more accurate gauge of what the film community looks like i have to work a little harder or a lot harder sometimes in order to uh, sh- for the show to reflect that, you know, I wonder how going forward when now you're going into let's say 2021 is programmed, um, or you know, and I, I guess it's jumping the gun a little to wonder how. Well, first of all, I guess let me take a step back and ask the question about 2020, 2020 the 2020 festival, and was that challenging? Or maybe the majority of the films were finished already. I guess they were, right? Maybe going the next year, it's going to be a little harder because so much production stopped last you know, spring. That, I think that's a great question. Um, I'll say this is something I've been thinking about a lot. And um, this year, we didn't get as many submissions, but we still have the same problem. There are so many good films, and there aren't enough festivals, there aren't enough screens in the world to really do it justice and i feel compelled to try to figure this out you know i see so many amazing films we're showing 95 films at kugelorus this year but they're easily 400 that we could have shown you know and i just don't have the time or the resources or enough audience at my you know that i can move to show that many movies but it seems like a problem you know bottleneck um similar to what happened in the early 90s when the film festival movement started, when all these independent film festivals popped up, you know, mostly in big cities in the early 90s, but going into the late 90s and early 2000s, every city, I mean, every city with a stoplight has a film festival. And a Jewish film festival. (laughs) At at least, right? At least one of those. Uh, Yeah, so I, I think that's something we have to deal with moving forward is how can we make more room for all the incredible storytellers that are out there um and you know we the the energy of the early years of kukuloris um was like there were filmmakers making all these amazing films and there were just nowhere to show them right there were film festivals in big cities but they were red carpet spectacles they were you know uh, they were Are you saying that the idea of what a film festival was supposed to look like was established and that to try to do something different, maybe more homegrown or grassroots, was a challenge at the time? Well, it was a challenge, but also it was happening everywhere. I mean, you just see this explosion of film festivals in the 90s, and it was a response to all the independent filmmakers who grew up watching TV in the 80s. <laughs> um, and so now I think we're at the edge of another sort of like transformation in the industry where uh, there are just so many films being made that there do need to be more Jewish film festivals, more black film festivals, more genre film festivals, more documentary film festivals. Um, I think film festivals are sort of pushed to be more specific about what they're doing. You know, in the 90s, Maybe more niche. I mean, but isn't this exactly the wrong thing for a film programmer to be saying, or rather, someone who runs a film festival, that you want I, I, more? It's like me. I, I, I started this podcast in 2011. It was an internet radio show then. 
because nobody really was doing podcasts or very few people. And then I started doing it as a podcast because it started to grow. Now it's like uh, back then, if I needed a question answered about podcasting, I'd, it took me a couple of days to find somebody. Now I can just knock on my next door neighbor's door and I'll be interrupting her podcast. You know, <laughs> so I can, it's, it's changed a lot, but uh, you're, you're encouraging more film festivals. Well, I certainly am. I, I, you know, and encouraging festivals to be more specific about what they're doing. You just, in the late nineties, if I said we show independent films, you would have known what that meant. That meant something. Today, that doesn't mean anything. You know, I, I mean, that just doesn't mean anything. You have to be more specific. You know, what kind of independent films? Uh, and so uh, as the industry, as the number of films we made has just grown and grown and grown, just, I think, requires a little more work. It's a little more work on the festival's part to be more specific more nuanced in the programming doesn't i don't know niche is not my niche is not my favorite word in terms of how to describe it but um more singular you know my schedule can't look like the same films that are playing at the sidewalk film festival and other places especially in a virtual space where anybody can log in you know uh so i think it just encourages us to be more bold and make stronger choices um, and discover filmmakers who haven't had a chance at other festivals. That, that, that's what I see like as the sort of like um, urgent need for festivals is to take more risks. It's clear that you're, you're connected and, and um, communicating with other film, film festivals, with other uh, programmers, with uh, filmmakers, certainly first and foremost, what is your relationship like with audiences? And do, cause like, as you're talking about the, uh, the, the landscape, the independent film landscape, I'm wondering, do our audiences as aware of what you're saying, are they tuned into that? Do they care? Or are they just like, it's not, if it's on Netflix, it's an, that's what they call an independent film. That's a good question. I, I'll say that, um, I've spent more time working with filmmakers and less time working with audience. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, but I'm also, you know, uh, deeply connected to my community. And so, uh, and I think that's the job of a festival is to kind of balance it out. Um, half of our audience are filmmakers. <laughs> right. Same, same here too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, is it your job to, because I feel like it's my job on some degree, but maybe that's where there is some com commonality. It's in a way, it's your job to introduce audiences to new to films and to filmmakers and, and not to be too re reactive, but to be proactive in your, in your job. So you're leading in a way, right? Going by good instincts, experienced instincts um and a lot of fine-tuning over the years so you're in a way introducing the next wave of, of of films that you know so maybe what the audience is asking for maybe that's not the right way to not the right place to put your attention yeah i mean i think you have to do a little bit you know you have to balance it out you know there have to be some you have to sell tickets right yeah, you have to show some films that people are going to love immediately. Um, and then you have to show some films that people are going to love 
two months later after they thought about it for a while. And that, those are the ones that get me excited is that I want, you know, those films that linger a little bit and you have to think about for a while. Um, you know, the films that I love immediately are usually fluff. You know, it's like, oh yeah, that was easy. They tugged at my, all the right places and used a formula that's well known. And then it's the films that you're like, whoa, I'm not quite sure what just happened, uh, but I want to talk about it. Yeah. You know, those are the kind of films that I get excited about. Sure. The, the, when you have to lean in. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, of course. And so I forget who was talking about it. Somebody was talking about the phenomenon of coming home and having two movies that they're, you know, that they have the more, maybe a, a more of a Hollywood movie and then maybe something a little bit more requiring of you, you know? Uh, and they, and the, you know, even though they kind of like go in with the idea of playing the latter movie first, they don't, they, they, you know, it's, there is a, uh, I think that's not unique. In other words, what you, what you're experiencing, you know? Yeah. Um, what's the fun if you know what you're going to get? I mean, you know, like, what's yes, there is a comfort to that. And there's not, that's an absolutely valid, you know, absolutely valid thing is to want to, uh, that comfort. Right. Yeah. Right. That is yeah. a valid thing. Yeah. 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 And, and there's a place for that. I think, you know, that's where there are plenty of options in the world for that comfort. Uh, yeah. But we want to make you uncomfortable at Kugelorus. <laughs> oh, that's the, uh, the new motto. At least a little bit. Our motto this year is I dare you. I dare you? Yeah. That's great. I like that <laughs> a lot. I like that a lot. Do you, are you able to, I mean, obviously, uh, I, I start a question, then I backtrack. Uh, you're really super busy the weeks, the months leading up to the festival every year, but do you have a chance to go to festivals? I suppose you're going to typically physically going, right? Yeah. I used to go to, gosh, seven, eight, nine, maybe in a, in a big year, maybe a dozen different festivals. Uh, so I'm on the road all the time or I used to be. Uh, and that's been an important part of the experience, which is obviously changing now. Uh, and the other thing that we kind of like when we're cleaning out the closet, that same sort of like process is maybe scaling back a little bit on how much time we spend working. Um, you know, I, I don't know that the going to 12 festivals a year is a sustainable, you know, model. Setup. Yeah. yeah. But, but you're doing more than seeing films. We should let people know you're also, I mean, a big part is, is, you're, it's an educational experience for somebody like yourself. It's also a great networking opportunity. And it's, it's also when you have your holidays. It's like a mixture of all those things. Yeah. I think I interrupted you though. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I say one other thing that I, in terms of like connecting with other festivals is um, that, that I've worked on in recent years is the film festival Alliance. Um, and so it's a, relatively young six-year-old nonprofit that is a membership organization for mission-driven festivals. And so the Film Festival Alliance has really done an incredible job of bringing festivals together, um, you know, sharing resources, uh, but also just kind of a support network. Um, sure. So that we're not all reinventing the wheel. And 
and inspiring each other, you know, to, to right. That had to be a huge resource for you this past spring and going into the summer. It has been. We've all been leaning on each other as the first wave of festivals, you know, went from in-person to virtual in sometimes days or weeks or months. And really, you know, watching the Ann Arbor Film Festival and the Ashland Film Festival uh, pull off really miracles. Oh, yeah. I don't know how they did that. I mean, I, I know that a couple of festivals either canceled or postponed, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, for instance, we just, we're just getting ready for the, Mer- the uh, excuse me, the Montclair Film Festival, you know, Tom's, which is typically has been in May, but as a result, just FYI, and maybe you already know this, but as a result of moving it this fall, they're kind of stuck now in the fall. They have to, <laughs> going forward, not only because of uh, other issues, but like there's, I don't think they could pull off a spring <laughs> festival and, of any size, you know, this coming spring or, you know, it's cause it, like you're saying, it sounds like it takes a full year to, to uh, do a festival, even though a festival may be a long weekend. Yeah. Well, I mean, it takes, it takes more than a year. I mean, really the planning timeline is, two years or so so okay i didn't know that it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out over the next two or three years as to which festivals return to their original dates um we're hoping that they don't all end up in october november that's not uh not super exciting for us but for a lot it's it's an opportunity for people to try new things and so i think it's cool to see a festival like Montclair happening in October. Um, I think the other part of it is it, like I got to go to the Ann Arbor Film Festival for the first time, a festival that I've admired for years. Their programming is incredible. You want to talk about a festival that's specific. It's good to know. Very specific, you know, it's, a, it's an incredible festival. And so I got to log in this year and um, you see some wild experimental films that I just wouldn't have been able to travel. I probably wouldn't have traveled to Ann Arbor uh, if it hadn't been for the pandemic and said I just, you know, traveled through my laptop. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've had the exact same experience this year. All the festivals that I've been really dying to go to, I'm starting kind of managing to, to uh, finally uh, attend them, you know. It's, it's, it's uh, been one of the few real sort of perks, I guess, or upsides of this, this otherwise really unfortunate situation. Uh, now, and the other thing is the, the election is coming up just days before your, uh, it's my roommate. <laughs> Don't be sorry. It's okay. It's my son. I'll say your roommate. <laughs> yes. And so, where you may be in a great role of responsibility. Well, you know? and it, it, this happens almost, I mean, this is a typical for us almost every year, you know, only once every four years does it feel quite this, you know, yeah, big. Right. But uh, four years ago, I think there were a lot of, some filmmakers who just decided not to come. They thought the world might end. Oh my um, God. I, I really? I'm surprised that it didn't end, but, uh, Really? Yeah. There were uh, filmmakers canceled. Uh, that's amazing. 
So I don't know what to think this time. I, I, I'm not really preparing like an option A and an option B. Uh, I no, just I know. know that it, it's, it's, it's a, a really important time for people to come together and talk and share stories um, after something that important. How are you going to be doing that? So just on a basic level, are you going to be doing, you'll have filmmaker Q&As on Zooms, right? Zoom sessions after premiere films? Well, they won't actually be, oh, oh, so we're doing three things. We're doing drive-ins. Right, we're of course. Talk about live. that too. Go into detail afterwards because I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. We're doing live online events, so things that start at a specific time. And those will have live Q&As at the same time, right after the movie, just like you would if you were in a theater. And then we also have a streaming library where films will be available for four days. And then there's a whole separate event for the Q&A. So those discussions, they almost become discussions and they'll last a little bit longer. You know, like, so Shorts Block, you'll, you'll, you'll actually have a chance to really get to know some of the filmmakers and they'll have a chance to talk to each other. Um, and so they won't be like, you know, 15 minutes when you're fidgeting in your seat, thinking about getting out of the theater, you know, be a little more intentional, a little more relaxed, maybe. Um, so we're excited about that. We're also doing our, some filmmakers lounges. It'll be on Zoom where uh, there'll be some performers and there's some that'll be costume themed and, uh, you know, encouraging people to get weird, um, you know, so still i think trying to translate the the wackiness of kukaloris into a new format um and, and actually translate it right not just move it and i think that's what i watched at a lot of festivals they, they took the physical festival and moved it into the internet and you know eh, a little awkward um so i'm hoping that what we achieve is a translation which means that we're gonna take the format and use it with all of its, you know, mechanisms. Um, we'll see if we can pull that off or not. I think that sounds a little ambitious as I say it, but that's what we're hoping is that instead of the Cooper's Film Festival moving to the internet, we're creating something brand new that looks totally different. I know that I went, I went, to, the, uh, went to the New York Film Festival this year and uh, typically, I mean, what, one advantage I saw was the uh, in the Q and A at the P and I screening, as we call it, the press and industry screenings that followed this, the the screening, typically at the Walter Reed, is that those um, questions, people with questions that would use the audience presence as a way of um, performing, and it's um, some very good people too. I, and I'm not even kidding. There's some of these same bombastic people are actually pretty cool people and really smart. But sometimes, you know, it's like, all right, you do, you do this all the time. Enough is it. But what's good is like, you know, the, the moderator can look through the chat or the question area and choose, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a, a nice thing, you know, I suppose. I don't know. There's some... You're what? hearing more from the filmmakers. You're hearing more from the filmmakers, and that you don't have the 20-minute monologue from an audience member. It's not a question. That's that's good. That's true too. Sometimes they're not questions. Yeah. Right. And then you know you'll never get the budget question ever again in this way because right. right. <laughs> the, uh, so all right. So so you're saying that that 
when if I were first of all, you have the option of a badge at Kukaloris. In other words, one badge you buy a badge, it gives you a sort of a set of uh, menu options built in. Let's say you go to any screening you want, virtual screening. Possibly another badge, which would include for local people or people that are right to go to the drive-ins. How does it work? And then and then you have, or can you buy also pay uh, rather uh, a la carte and just pick one yeah, event? You, you could buy a ticket to an event, you know, um, just like, you know, buying, buying a any ticket to any film on um, badges that the, the ticketing structure hasn't really changed that much. Uh, every, every screening, whether it's online or, you know, live online or streaming or driving has a ticket. So if you just want one thing, if you're dying to see that one movie, you can buy a ticket. You can also buy a pass. It'll get you all the online content. And then the nature of the drive-in is a little bit different. So that is actually a ticket. And there's no pass for that. Understood. Okay. Yeah. So limited, you know, we, we can't just that, hold. That's right. That's right. You have a capacity issue, a very specific capacity issue. So you have to pay, buy per ticket. That makes sense. Right. Our, our drive-in is called Curbside Cinema. Um, and we, we can hold 85 cars. Uh, and we started it, uh, we're showing, you know, family films, the Goonies and, you know, some, some classics. Uh, every Friday night, um, and it's been a nice little laboratory. We 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 bought a new screen, a little bit bigger. We put it on scaffolding, so the sight lines are really good. Uh, so it's a really it's a truly a cinematic experience. Um, Where did you have a drive-in prior to the pandemic? To are you saying that that's all since then? We we did a lot of outdoor screenings. Um, right, but they were pop-up. That's right. They were just in parks. Um, right. people on people on blankets. So the drive-in is new. Um, this is the first time we've really kind of drive in with cars where people had to stay in their cars. It works really well, by the way. I mean, um, if done right, I, I went to one up in Wood for the Woodstock Film Festival because I, I live up here now, which is also kind of a new thing. Uh, but but um, so I was happy to be able to actually experience the festival after all. Yeah. Yeah, I listen. I, I, we have filmmakers who are flying in just to come to the drive-in. I know. Um, yeah, they're doing. Of course, they're extra motivated. Of course, because they assumed they would be spending the money on travel already, and then they haven't been able to. So, yeah. So, if you're doing a drive-in, they certainly want to, and they can actually engage with audiences. You know, and people will flash their headlights and honk their horns in gratitude. Um, yeah. So, and then just to wind it up, you did mention this, but I wanted to make sure I understood. So, well, of course, if you're watching one of the, let's say, uh, s- scheduled screenings, so let's say you have a, a f- one of the documentaries or features and your or narratives, and you, it's at you're going to still have it's obviously at a specific time, and it'll be followed by a live Q and A, right, on, on Zoom, which you get with the film, obviously, with the purchase of that ticket. And then you're saying also, though, you would have them as separate, longer, nuanced conversations with the filmmakers? Well, so we're doing two different kinds of online events. We're doing live online events, and then we have a streaming library. A what? A streaming library. Okay, right, yeah. 
And so that is a, a good number of the films that are just, you know, it becomes available on Wednesday. It's available for four days. So after the live screening, it stays online as available for the... Of, of... Well, what we're doing is two separate, right? Some of the films are live online. Okay. And some of them are streaming. Okay. So, uh, like our opening night film, El Father Plays Himself by Mo Scarpelli. Sure, Mo's coming on the podcast tomorrow. Ah, Yes, you could tell her I said it was. And I'll tie it to the Kukaloris, of course. Yeah. So we, we, we picked certain films that were just too special to be streaming on demand that needed to be sit down at 8 p.m. on Wednesday night and join it's a us. Bit, it's a little, bit more event, a little bit more eventized that way. That's right, yeah. So, yeah. so very select group of films and, and short blocks of the festival are live online like your father plays himself and then a lot of content that's available to hit play anytime you want okay and what so for the pay-per-views let's say the pay-per-view streaming uh are are there q a's or do you get to meet the filmmaker so to speak yeah so that's or the cast. one where, that's the one where if you watch one of those films on thursday the q a might be on friday or saturday okay as a separate, you know, so then and that'll be live. That'll have a specific time so that you can type your questions into the chat. And, you know, we heard from filmmakers that the pre-recorded Q and A's, no good. Okay. Just, filmmakers overwhelmingly said that it was just so disappointing and so sterile and like kind Flat. of lame. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's a lot of extra work, but I think it's going to, those are going to be the most meaningful moments. Sure. Uh, and so the other thing we really did is like thinking about the difference between being in a big theater and what we're doing now is that success is not about how many people you bring together. It's about, you know, the quality of the time they spend together, you know? So I, I, I think the best Q and A's are going to be when 12, 15, 20 people get together and have a really meaningful conversation and get to know each other. Um, and, and those are the moments that I'm most, you know, excited about having 200 people on Zoom is like uh, kind of a waste of time, in my opinion. Well, I feel the same way about this conversation. I feel that, I don't know, it's kind of uh, recalibrated the way I I do everything this new way. I, I mean, I'm not kidding. I, I really feel like I'm connecting with people uh, on a very different, more more gratifying level the conversations mean, I mean, I've always really enjoyed the conversation and the connection, but there's a, there's something uh, more amplified going on and uh, perhaps, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's true. I mean, with, with, with so little opportunity to connect with other people, the chances you do get are more meaningful. Yeah. Well, again, the, the Kukulores Film Festival will take place November 11th through the 25th. I know. I've just tested. Correct. The 25th. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, how many how many features and shorts? And just give an idea of the size yeah, of the festival. 18 features and what is it, 77 shorts or something like that. So it's still a lot of stuff, a lot of content. Um, there are a lot of stories to be told. Oh, uh, yeah. You know. And I was thinking, actually, a lot of 
filmmakers, uh, you know, probably held over films hoping that this would be a three or four month problem. And then we'd get right back into <laughs> the life as we know it, but it might turn out differently as it turns out. Yeah. And this might be several years, this sort of like shift. And then, you know, this is a new beginning the, the, you know, Kukulorus 26 is like the very first Kukulorus. It kind of sets a new ground level and everything we built from here in my mind. Um, and so who knows, we may be doing live online events for years to come, even when there is a vaccine, because we know that doing a Q&A with a filmmaker in Japan and in, you know, uh, Malaysia is pretty rad. Uh, right, so. and, and and we'll have the and it added benefit that this this thing that we're doing is and and those types of Q and As and are now part of our toolkit. We everybody knows what Zoom is. Everybody's had, everybody's kind of caught on to it, and has become accustomed to it. So That's it's right. like might as well optimize it. Well, and Adam, one of the other things that's happened for us, and I think this is really common, is uh, Christina Wong is performing at Google Arts this year, author Damon Young is going to make an appearance. Those are folks who we probably couldn't have afforded to bring in in person. Uh, and so it, it really does. Sparks, the band Sparks is going to host a music video um, night called Visual Sound Walls. Great. Um, things look get weird that night for sure. Uh, <laughs> and those are things that probably would never have happened in person. And so uh, there is something special about what we can do you know, when we don't have to get on airplanes. Well, uh, I appreciate your uh, remaining uh, optimistic and uh, we need it, you know, and it's, it's good to be grasp reality and to look at it as, as an opportunity, series of opportunities potentially, rather than just sort of, uh, you know, be more maybe pessimistic about it. So good on you. <laughs> yeah. Good on Don't you. Let it keep I dare you. I dare you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm doing count. I'm kind of uh, re re kind of inventing. I, I feel I feel like I'm almost doing a series in a way. Like I'm post. I'm trying to. I my, the podcast. I mean, I, I, I you'll be on the podcast. This will be on the podcast. But but I feel like I really. I also I started realizing as I was doing more of these. I could. I'm just going to start really tapping into this YouTube channel. Uh, which has kind of just been another place to throw the pot audio podcast. But, you know, I realize I start optimizing what I, the tools that I have here and the way people are, are kind of uh, uh, digesting, you know, their, I hate to say content, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I've realized I need to do my bit and I want to get on my friends out there in, in the, uh, the festival world, as well as, filmmakers and so anyway so i'm i'm doing good stuff man. thank you thank you for doing it uh, yeah well it's a pleasure yeah. it's a gift i'm I'm honored to do it and uh kitchen I, looks good what's for what do you have what's for dinner sadly things are times are tough here at the uh the chartoff home so junior there is going to get some raw potatoes for dinner <laughs> but i'm going to peel them i'm not completely heartless you know uh, this kid eats every day. It's amazing. They do, don't they? Kids eat I, every day. Yeah. His mother said nothing about that when she dropped him off. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, 
we have a, a, a really packed refrigerator, so I, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue. I'll come up with something, you know. Okay. Yeah. But uh, it's such a kick to meet you finally and talk to you in person. I was on one of the uh, Zooms uh, sessions that you, you did earlier on, and I think it was probably at the end of the spring. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think you did a few of them. Maybe you did more than a couple. I don't know. But I came on to one, and, and I, I realized I can't. It was more of a fly on the wall because I really couldn't. I didn't feel like I could contribute much to the conversation about as since I don't run a festival. But uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Alan. Do you ever just want to give up? series in Park Slope, Brooklyn. When, when I say doing, I, I got this back room of this bar on Fifth Avenue in Park Slope. A friend ran the bar. He bought a projector. They already had a great sound system because they had live music in their back room. And he bought a projector and he said, man, we can show films. I said, well, I was already, you know, like writing about film and had a lot of film connections locally, especially. Uh, and I said, well, why don't we invite some of my filmmaker friends to show their films here? Maybe on Sunday afternoons when, when the bar's open, but it's pretty quiet. And he loved that idea. So we ended up showing lots of films. And I, I put together one night of shorts. And uh, I used to do this on Sunday, uh, alternating Sunday afternoons. I did an evening of shorts. And I invited, I saw Kaz. I don't remember how I came across it. don't remember. But I came across Kaz's film. And we showed it. I don't. I don't even know that she could come. I don't know that. I, I don't remember if she was there. But we we got to know each other a little bit, and since then have over the years touched. I guess uh, maybe kept in, kept in touch. And then I heard from her. I guess about her new short film, which was not intended to be a short. It's an experimental film. It, I think it was originally made to accompany Greg's um, music. He's a composer. And uh, he wrote this music, and I think this was originally supposed to be kind of a, an experimental music video type of approach, but it ended up evolving. And it was shot in Joshua Tree, California. And so they are going, and it has a kind of a spooky uh, uh, aspect to it, dimension to it. And they submitted to this platform, this streaming platform called Dust. And they they are going to premiere it, uh, and it is um, currently available on the Dust platform. So go Google Dust, the streaming service, and I believe it is doesn't cost anything. I think it's on it might even be on YouTube, uh, but you can watch 
the halcyon which is the name of this short film but i support my filmmaker friends my artist friends and uh, it's been a long time uh, i've known kaz phillips and i just had the pleasure of meeting greg Lohman, her partner and they are both now on this segment of the podcast john lewis walked across that bridge so you could vote damn it like a soldier charging up a ridge so you could vote damn it since that day in selma town when violence threw him to the ground he rose each time he was beaten down so vote damn it Vote damn it, stand in line. Vote damn it, every time. Prove your power, let it shine. And vote damn it. They fought the Klan, they fought Jim Crow, so you could vote damn it. They fought that you could have it so, so vote damn it. They were brave and they were true, did what they were asked to do. And now the future looks to you, so vote damn it. Vote damn it, stand in line. Vote damn it, every time. Prove your power, let it shine. And vote damn it. Now for 50 years we've had to fight. So vote damn it. Still they'll try to steal our rights. So vote damn it. Will you rise when you are asked to stand? When the call goes out, will you raise your hand? Let your voice be heard across this land. Vote damn it. Vote damn it, stand in line. Vote damn it, every time. Gotta prove your power, let it shine. And vote damn it. All those heroes of the past dreamed of the ballots that they cast. Prayed that their sacrifice would maybe last. gone before we will remember vote damn it cause freedom is not guaranteed we are the proof that they'd succeed good trouble is just what we need so vote damn it vote damn it stand in line vote damn it every time gotta prove your power let it shine and vote damn it vote damn it stand in line ready to go okay I'm recording so we can just, uh, cool. yeah, this was introduced to me by this documentary filmmaker who just did this. It's like a film called Planet of the Humans mm-hmm. on YouTube for free. Michael Moore's the executive producer. Anyway, yeah. um, but so I, I, I saw that film at Traverse City Film Festival last summer when I was there. I interviewed him. I was like, and then it, when they put it on YouTube, I, I just, you know, I, I reached out. I said, you want, let's do another you know, podcast since it's now live and out there and it's an important documentary. So, but he was, so he introduced me to Zencaster and I was like, wow, this is, uh, this is pretty nifty. Yeah. It's really cool. You know? Um, hi, how are you guys? 
Hi, we're good. <laughs> Hanging in there in quarantine land. Oh uh, yeah, um, it is. It's you know, it, it's actually kind of quiet and not very dramatic anymore. Most people that I encounter on the streets here are you know following all the guidelines and recommendations. You know, there's been I noticed a little bit of a relaxation about like people. You'll see people with their masks, but they're not like around their faces. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were joking because um, we've just been using bandanas the whole time. And we were actually joking yeah. the other day that you see all these people out on the street with bandanas around their necks. And I was uh-huh. like, it's as though we're not actually in quarantine. Everybody just decided to become very jaunty. Yeah, like mm. uh, everybody started dressing like Peter Bogdanovich. Yes, exactly. Uh, or Howdy Doody. Yeah. <laughs> or Howdy Doody. It's, an, it's true. He didn't wear bandanas. <laughs> That's two very, very topical references right there. It's nice to hear your voice, Kaz. Yeah, same. It's been a long, long time. It has. We met originally, um, I don't remember the year, 2011, I'm going to guess. Maybe 12. I'm thinking it's 2011. Yeah, it was It was at, uh, It was was at. over Megafauna or a few. It was over one of my earlier shorts yeah. that I think no, we came together one. over. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah. And then I ended up showing um, it at the series that I was doing. I was a big fan of the short, and um, yeah. so, and that was our introduction. So it's been a while, and then I started. It's been the a long time. Yeah, but you, this is your first time on, so welcome and uh, thank you. Hi, Greg. Hi. How are you? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. New operating yeah. system. Come on, let's hear a little bit more enthusiasm. <laughs> hey, yeah. Hey. Uh, yeah, here I am. <laughs> but Where's so you're here? in the same place, but you're on separate. You're 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 on separate computers. Is that the idea? Yes. Yeah, yeah. To better isolate the uh, the sound. I guess, yeah. yeah, I guess so. I guess that's the same. And I sound okay. Yes, yeah, sir. you sound great. Oh, very good. You too. Yeah. So that's what's going on here in New York, anyway. In terms of that, you know, there's just uh, it's, I don't know. I don't see anything that's all that dramatic. Um, so, but it is definitely going on. You know, uh, yeah. it's just. Yeah, it seems like they're starting to think about maybe lifting some of the restrictions here out in L.A., Yeah, um, no, which yeah. would be awesome. And also, we, we learned that uh, up in Ventura County, the beaks, beaches and parks are still open. So contemplating mm-hmm. a possible run up the coast to uh, you know be able to sit, sit on the beach for a minute, which would be so nice right now. Yeah. Well, you know, as long as everybody's – see there, that's what – can you hear that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that makes oh, it New through York every City. episode now. Yeah, it's part of my soundtrack now. So, Perfect. Well, anyway, just be safe and uh, enjoy that. I'll be at, my son is going out to uh, Los Angeles uh, shortly. His mother is, she's there and she's coming in to get him and his half sister and take them back. And I, I very, I very well may go out there um, soon for a while. Hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm definitely very happy to be weathering this quarantine in L.A. and not in New York. Yeah, no. Sorry to say. It's, uh, you know. No, no, it's, it's uh, don't be sorry. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I don't recommend moving here now. No. If you're out there and you're listening, uh, just don't come here. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> we don't want <laughs> you. No, no. Stay well, away. No, 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 wait until either there's a vaccine or... Yeah. New York is considered, you know, like, you know, it's pretty confirmed that uh, we're no longer um, either an uh, epicenter. You just don't want that term mixed, you know, in the same sentence with uh, New York. Uh, but uh, I, right. I, given the concentration of people and and people that are 
you know, they're just the way they behave, I guess, you know, it's just, um, until I know, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a little bit uh, ready to get out of New York, I guess. Mm. But, um, yeah. You know. Well, both Greg and I both left the East Coast uh, a few years ago and came here. So, yeah, it's kind of uh, <laughs> on the same page. Yeah. So oh, tell me a little bit about uh, what you've been up to. Uh, I mean, I know we're going to talk about the Halcyon, which is your experimental Western short. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're also still grappling with how to describe it. Yeah, which feels like a kind of as haunting and as, I don't know if the, what the right term may be, but... Uh, there's something very relevant about it, if or it feels, you know, in terms of of what we're going through here. But well, but yeah. We, but we can come to that in a minute. So you guys have been collaborating now. Is this your? It's not your first time. It's it well, like. it's our first. It's our first sort of. I mean, and I sort of hesitate to say narrative because obviously it's not exactly narrative because it's very experimental. But it's our first yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have been collaborating on um, video productions for about a year now, probably maybe a little longer, Uh Um, largely revolving around the fact that Greg is actually a professional musician, very talented uh, guitarist and um, multi-instrumentalist. Yeah, you can tell uh, (laughs) there was a body double there. No, no, that was all real. (laughs) No no special effects were used. Um, But uh, yeah, so we started initially just doing shooting videos for his like youtube channel um that were like sort of guitar tutorials and playthroughs um yeah. simple stuff, you know a couple minutes and mm-hmm. we just kind of started you know we work really well together and uh just sort of started like increasing the scale and the ambition of the things that we were making together um mm-hmm. you know we started out doing stuff that was pretty simple just like setting up watching you know him at sitting at his at his desk playing something on guitar and then we started moving into more like produced looking um like i wouldn't say they're music videos but like a very produced studio performance session where i was using special effects in post and you know it was just kind of this like great combination because i especially coming from the downtown new york dance theater world which is where i really cut my teeth creatively you just have this kind of like diy scrappy attitude um so i kind of i know how to shoot i know how to edit and we just started mm-hmm. making stuff like that and then you know going in and uh making things that looked you know a little slicker and a little more artistic uh and uh yeah and it's it just worked out great and we kind of were I think we're both I mean Greg can weigh in on this but I think we both were just like consistently really happy with how the collaborations came out and uh I think you know for me it was really awesome to suddenly have this willing subject who has this extraordinary you know guitarist and I think you know obviously for Greg, uh, you know, I think it's pretty helpful having a, a, a buddy around who can just like whip up a professional quality video for you at a moment's notice. So we just kind of kept doing it. Greg, first of all, quiet down, please. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. just, just letting everybody, you know, speak up. No, no, I know. <laughs> how long have you been playing guitar and where did you learn how to play so well? I mean, you're oh, thank, very, um, obviously thank, you, thank yeah. you very much. Um, well, I started when I was 13. Um, so I've been playing over, you know, over 20 years now. Um, and it just came from, you know, right place, right time. Um, right when I was hitting, uh, 12, 13 years old was when like grunge was exploding. And, um, I managed to get my hands on an acoustic guitar and I had friends at school who, uh, you know, I would show up every morning. We would trade what we had learned. Um, either some of the kids were, you know, taking lessons. I was learning by ear, teaching myself. 
um, and then like absorbing anything I could. And this is pre YouTube, you, you know, so you took lessons. I eventually took a few lessons, but mostly I was self-taught until I got to really? college. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, I started around, I started to guitar at around 12, right around 13 myself. Oh, cool. But I took jazz guitar for, for years. Hmm. And for some reason, I can't play as well as you can. But anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny because I didn't I did get into jazz, but it wasn't until I was in um, high school, and it was in order to be in the jazz band in oh, high school. You were and, ordered because uh, you well, knew a little too much guitar. <laughs> well, I just wanted that. to do it all the time, and I was like, I can yeah. do this. I can do this at school. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you know, and. But unfortunately for me, it was competitive mm -hmm. and um, not only was it competitive, but there were um, some very talented older kids in the band already. So like the slot was taken, but luckily I managed to get in there my senior year um, and then continued with the jazz program at University of Maryland where I was studying to be a math major, um, which that was kind of sense. like my fallback um, you know, instead of instead of pursuing music the way I would kind of would have drawn it up, um, mm -hmm. I was pressured by my family to go into something that could potentially, you know, be a great backup, something that I was actually still interested in. So I chose so I chose math, and I ended up kind of doing math in college. You know, you know, hitting the books, but then like at night, I was started to play gigs, and then I started to get out in the jazz scene and started playing in the jazz band at University of Maryland, which was Where, with like PhD Baltimore, students. It's actually, um, it's right in between DC and Baltimore. Very good. Yeah. Um, college park, Maryland, just, uh, just North yeah. of DC. Um, but yeah, uh, jazz, you know, heavy metal grunge, you know, all these things. And then eventually classical and now, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then eventually, you know, folk and uh, every single, you know, thing that you can think of has probably influenced me in some type of way, you know? Um, and hence why, you know, working with Kaz, who's, you know, like we've, we've, we've talked about this before, our creative metabolisms are about the same. I like to work pretty quickly and so does she, you know? Um, so if I have a thought like, Hey, you know what? I love this classical piece that I've been working on. Kaz, would you film me playing it and I'll record the audio and then we can sync it up and try to make it look cool and professional. And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And then we'll take a day and do it. Um, and so that's how this collaboration started. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, sort, it, it's, it's how it connects to how the Halcyon began. Um, where, where did you, where did you, where did you shoot it? This is the next logical question. So I'll let Kaz answer this one. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So the whole, the whole story of the Halcyon is kind of, it continues to delight me when I think back on it. Um, uh -huh. But basically, it was another situation where there was, you know, Greg had this idea, and he had gotten approached by his musician colleague, um, this guy, Harry Waters, uh, about coming in to help record some music, like some sort of film score type tracks. And so Greg went in and did that, and the music turned out beautiful. And he was, uh, he was like, you know, it'd be really cool to maybe for me to be able to use this on as a reel and maybe put it on my YouTube channel, if we could maybe just shoot some kind of ambient, cool, scenic stuff, and then, you know, put the music with the ambient scenic stuff, pop it on the YouTube channel and like, no fuss, no must, just a cool little visual 
music reel. And mm-hmm. around the same time, we had had this plan to go out and visit Joshua Tree, Joshua Tree. Um, because Greg had a friend who has a, owns a home out there that he Airbnbs and that he offered to let us stay in just for the cleaning fee. So basically, you know, for free for the weekend. And so we were like, oh, well, we're going out to this beautiful desert. This music all has kind of this like vaguely neo-Western vibe to it. Right. Let's take my camera and my tripod um, and shoot this ambient mood reel while we're out there. Like, that'll be fun. What do you know? And we started like, you know, as Greg mentioned, we both have the same creative metabolism. And a big part of that is that we're both very meticulous. Mm-hmm. And so even though this was kind of a lark, we did decide to sit down and be like, OK, for this track, let's try and get something like this. And for this track, let's try and get something like this. And it was literally in that process, both kind of like sitting, building this Google spreadsheet that we were like, I think there's kind of a story there. Like, I think, because we just devised this character of, you know, Greg was like, I'll, I'll wear my black suit, my black cowboy hat, and be right. carrying a black guitar case in the desert, and it'll just look cool. And I was like, yeah, I'm here for it. And, but yeah, it was literally as we were breaking down, like, what shots we wanted to get for what tracks that we both were like, huh. So we kind of started getting a little bit more, like, t- not taking it more seriously, because we were taking it seriously, but. But there was no momentum. Yeah, there was some momentum and like we were kind of like, huh, I wonder if there's if we could dig deeper, if we'll find more. And so by the time we went out to Joshua Tree, we had this pretty specific. It's like we were sending this character on a journey for sure Yeah. Um, that we kind of thought, let's shoot it and see what's going to happen with this man in the desert that we don't know why there's a man in the desert with a guitar case. But we're just it looks cool. And that's what we're doing. Mm And so we went and did that and kind of, I mean, I don't know if you've ever spent time in Joshua Tree, but it's just a really magical place. And we were actually, we were outside of, you know, we were out of town. Like we weren't in like downtown Joshua Tree. We were like way out. I mean, not way out, but like seven miles or so outside of town in the desert and just kind of surrounded by nothing. And I feel like we both, once we got out there, the creative juices just started flowing even more. Um, We created, uh, we started kind of like, you know, we borrowed some furniture and props from the Airbnb we were staying in, like my, my favorite example of which being that the, the the skull mask, like the cow skull that we used was actually just like an ornament in their kitchen that we were like, ooh, that's cool. <laughs> let's put let's put that in a shot. Um, sure. And uh, and then while we were out there, had the idea of incorporating the, the second character, who's the, you know, the abyss, the sort of like desert demon that he sees while he's kind of in the midst of this, you know, hallucinogenic you know, nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and so when we were finally done shooting, we were both kind of like, I think we just got something really cool, but I don't know what it was. And we c- came back, started, you know, assembling these scenes the way we imagined them, put the music in there. And at that point I was like, oh, you know, I should write some voiceover because we could, you know, I didn't have any kind of sound recording set up out in the desert. Um, but I was like, let's record, you know, start some VO and we can have some of the VO be the wanderer and some of the VO be the abyss and, you know, give some more context and make it feel more like a story and a narrative and a movie. And so we did that and called in a, called in a couple of favors for the recording. And I mean, we, we like to joke that we just did this completely backwards because we wrote the score first, then shot the film, then wrote the script, you know, mm-hmm. which, um, was for me, who, as I said, I'm, I'm pretty like meticulous and pretty, you know, as a screenwriter, which is kind of my day job, you have to be pretty structured and kind of follow a plan, you know? And so I'm very right. used to working right. like that. And this was turned all of that on its head, which was so thrilling to me. And also because there was no stakes. We were like, well, it's just for 
fun. You know, we didn't spend any money. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that it's kind of come, um, and then I guess the other crazy part of the story is that we shot this back in August of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So we shot it back in August and then we, uh, we're in a bit of a holding pattern for a while um, and then ended up completing the edit uh, just this past March um, when obviously the whole coronavirus thing was just starting to ramp up. And here we find ourselves with this pretty cool apocalypse, a plague and apocalypse themed short film right as the entire world is locking down because of a plague. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of like, that's crazy. And so the final kind of piece of the story is that uh, I have a relationship with this company called dust, which is an online genre streaming platform or channel, I guess is what they, how they describe it. And Mm. I thought, huh. And the thing is they're very sci-fi focused, but I was like, well, you know, maybe this could be considered sci-fi enough because there's this kind of narrative about like habitable zones and, you know, finding safe zones in the desert and things. Um, and so I reached out to my contact there. I sent her like the Google Drive streamer screen, uh, stream link uh-huh. um, and was like, just thought, you know, that I'd just see if this was maybe something that, you know, you might be interested in for dust, you know, l- let me know. Didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks. And I was kind of like, well, that was probably, you know, if she even got the email, it's probably, you know, whatever. And then we hear back from her and she's like, I really like this. It's definitely not sci-fi enough for mm-hmm. our platform, but. I haven't made a final decision yet. So let me circle back to you. And I was kind of like, huh, okay, that's weird, but sure. Great. Another couple of weeks passed by. And then, and this, so this was like last week that we finally, you know, heard back again. And she basically said, Hey, so, and I was kind of like, okay, this is the, we love it, but email. Um, And she was like, yeah. So, uh, you know, we, after much discussion with the team, we've decided that uh, we're going to do an apocalypse focused a block of short films at the end of May, and we would love Halcyon to be involved in it. Uh, and so I was like, Greg does a lot of online teaching. So he had just gone into a lesson in his office. I got this email like five minutes afterwards. Mm-hmm. I was just so stunned. I was like shaking. Um, yeah. and, I, and I was like, this is going to be the longest hour because I can't tell. I didn't want to go interrupt this lesson. But oh, um, yeah, it was just it has uh, this life of its own. This this project. It really own, exactly. Years. Yeah, it really has this crazy faded feel and. Yeah. What the uh, um, so dust thing though? What's that? I mean, is it, or is that? Uh, you say it's a platform, but where is it on YouTube or something? Or where is it? It's all over, actually. So basically, there's this. Um, no, I'm, not, I'm not talking about dust. I'm talking about the uh, actual dust, which I know is all over. <laughs> well no so that's the thing they actually operate across platforms ranging from youtube to roku so okay. you can go to watchdust.com and watch mm-hmm. content there oh, but I see. Okay. you can also watch it on apple tv so right. it's really and they have across all those platforms some somewhere around four million viewers which is another thing you know, while Greg and I were like waiting to hear back from Anna and kind of had been formulating this plan of like, well, that's such a long shot. Let's see what happens. But once we get the inevitable path, let's put it up on our YouTube channel and like our friends and family will see it. And that I guess will be it, you know? So to have gone from that expectation to suddenly now the prospect of millions of people seeing it um, is just mind blowing. And it's just an insane you know, this, this crisis and this situation in the world is so awful, but 
this is kind of such an extraordinary silver lining that we're I, I daily kind of pinch myself. Mm-hmm. All you need is somebody to say, uh, we want to pay you uh, $30,000 uh, sponsored. Yeah, so exactly. I don't know. Somebody. I'm trying to think of other serendipitous things that could occur, I suppose, with this. Yeah, and they, they do, current. you know, they do. Yeah. And I think we sort of maybe forgot that a little bit, but, um, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it, it turns out that it fits in, in, you know, in their programming block. And, um, you know, I think that people will enjoy it. Um, it's definitely different and, um, it kind of, you know, because it's so music focused and because again, you know, the way Kaz mentioned how the, the process was so not preconceived mm-hmm. you know it was um it was improv it was improvised you know yeah and uh you know and you you, you play jazz guitar so you know what i'm talking about well, um <laughs> I, I said our lessons let's not get carried away <laughs> but I, yeah I don't it, play anymore i play a different i still i actually this uh, as a sidebar we'll get back to your uh oh yeah your thing your uh, little little film thing but uh, <laughs> uh you, you, I, I picked up the guitar once we went into quarantine. I mean, I had been playing it a little bit more recently, but I, I really started to work on it with a certain amount of, uh, you know, seriousness again once we were in lockdown here. So it's been a really, it's a, a nice little unexpected benefit of of, of, of this, you know. Well, like, it's funny, man. I, I have, um, I have several online students, some of whom have contacted me since the quarantine some that i was working with already online before all this um one of whom is uh, a girl who actually just became a teenager this week and um she told me that she was having trouble falling asleep but she would practice until she fell asleep because she was stressed you know about everything that was going on and uh so she, she couldn't fall she couldn't sleep but she was like i play guitar until i fall asleep and she she said she also said I like this so much more than my phone. <laughs> wow, it's like so, amen, yeah, yeah, for real. You know, I'm like wow, you know. So if anybody else out there is looking for online lessons, get your kids or, out, get your kids out of their phone. If you're a parent, you know, definitely you have to. Rep- well, that's the thing, you know. You, um, I'm a parent. I have a child. And if you're going to take away the device, you have to replace it. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's a good example of somebody who did it for themselves. Right. Good. And it, but it comes from years of t- giving her lessons. And, you know, she <laughs> it, it wasn't always uh, super easy. Sometimes I had to struggle with her, but I always knew that she had a genuine interest. And yeah. um, now because of quarantine and because she's got this she's drawn to the instrument, her hands are just her hands have transformed mm-hmm. in the last two months, you know. And you she saying, can... uh, they've grown a lot of hair <laughs> or no, no not quite. No, <laughs> more, more deaf to players or yeah. that she's grown. I mean, what do you it's just, I mean, it's a combination of everything, but all of a sudden her fingers are, there's a facility. And once you reach that point, you know, it's like right. anything else. It's like, yeah, Kaz, sure. it's like Kaz making a movie or, you know, you making this podcast, you don't have to think about yeah. it so hard, you know? And, um, yeah. you know, when you're a beginner at something, you've, you know, people get insecure, um, understandably, you know, and they don't want to be bad at something, but she's past, she's way past that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, you know, just talking about how people can 
you know, really grow in this way. And, you know, as far as like making movies and film, you know, um, this is for me very, very new. I mean, I did theater and stuff in high school, but um, I've learned so much from working with Kaz and how that side of it works and how I can make it work better. So, yeah. It's awesome. Uh, what, you, you, you have a podcast as well, she, uh, Kaz mentioned? I do. It's called You Should Check It Out. And uh, you can listen to it on you should check it out dot com or Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify. It's it's around. I'm doing and, that. Actually. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's out there. We just did. We just released our fortieth episode today. Oh, very good. Yeah, you know, it's it's all about consistency. For, you've been doing it for also for, since you were in lockdown. All forty episodes. <laughs> uh, yeah, all forty. <laughs> we did all. Um, no, just last uh, week. <laughs> yeah, no, it's weekly, so it's been you know we're coming up on a year of doing it, but it's with some some old college buddies of mine, and the whole oh. premise to that show is uh, how um, you know anytime we would get together, we would say like, oh man, you should check this out, you should check it out, yeah, you know, just so it's, constantly. But, uh, it's on music as well, mostly music. Yeah, we uh-huh. we stray from from topic to topic. Um, but we try to keep it as music focused as we can, which has been a challenge in quarantine because it's not like there's major music news every day. No, but what a lot of people are doing is doing concerts from home, a lot That's of music, which has yes. been kind of fun finding different artists like that, you know, and and watching and the, and the, and there is quite a spectrum in terms of quality, you know, in terms of the uh, the what how they're they're doing it, you know. Yes, yeah, because it, it could be someone with just someone with, with a straight up phone. Yeah, but if they but if they're if they've got the goods and they're, they're yeah. charming, it, it, that's yeah. all they might need. And then well, there's... we're we're actually working on one of those right now. Um, Greg is in oh. one of the several musical projects he's involved in. One is a, a Red Hot Chili Peppers tribute called Red Not Chili Peppers, who are oh. badass that I've seen them perform a bunch of times. And uh-huh. um, it's we wanted to do a quarantine video, you know, like the way everybody's doing quarantine videos. Um, but yeah, I get to be the kind of like ace up the sleeve because they're all going to shoot footage and then send it to me and I'm going to be able to actually like edit right. it in a cool artistic yeah. way oh. rather than somebody just slapping it in, in yeah. iMovie. So we're, we're, we're pretty psyched. We're kind of like building all of our assets for that and going to you know, right. put something crazy and pop art looking out there. So wait, so, so you're in a, Greg, you're in a Red Hot Chili Peppers tribute band too? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have, I have, I have, who, who are you in the band? What you would have to be the guitar player. So. That's true. Yeah. So I'm kind of a hybrid of John Frusciante, Dave Navarro. Oh right. Uh, you know all the all of them. They've had they've had several throughout the years. Anyway, um, so I think we cut out for like. No, you don't. You can leave that in there. So the Halcyon is going to be. Is it available now? Yeah. Is it available it's on Duck be, yet? It is not available yet. They're doing this block of programming the week of Memorial Day. So it will be, they haven't given us our exact okay. day yet, but it'll be sometime that week of the 25th. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, so so what we're going to be, you know, posting about it. What I'd like to do then is to wait until it's available and then we can send people right after they listen to this and they can watch it right away so they don't forget. That'd be awesome. That's- I mean, you, that's man. usually what I do if it's if it's a, yeah. if it's a, if it's on online, you know. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Um, yeah, because we're we bit, <laughs> the last couple of days have been, as Greg will attest, I've been pulling my hair out a little bit because uh, while I do consider myself a capable director, writer, shooter, and editor, I am lacking in you know the sort of like line producer kind of type skills. Um, and so when I got the list of deliverables from Dust. 
which required, you know, very specific export settings and separate oh. audio files and all this. I was like, oh, God. So the last, uh, but basically they were like, once we get the deliverables from you, we'll assign you a premiere date. So I was oh, kind of feel, like typing yeah. through my tears trying to figure out how to like yeah. do all this stuff. Um, but we got that all in. So hopefully, hopefully in the next day or two, we'll, we'll find out what that actual date's going to be. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so and, just, uh, just, yeah. Let me know. That's great. But uh, yeah, but thanks so much for having us on here. This it's oh. it's you know we're we're psyched about it and just kind of like thinking of every way possible to get the word out. Yeah, I know it's terrific. And um, uh, again, so we'll we'll again we'll post this. So people can go to uh, to Dust, I guess their uh, website or to uh, yeah, it's uh, watchdust dot yeah. com. Or if you have yeah. a uh, you know the uh, one of the uh, Apple TV or Roku. Um, easy to find, I guess. And then, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd say I would say watchdust.com is going to be like the main hub of it. Okay. But they also also pretend potentially their YouTube, um, huh? where uh, but they basically like they'll they link to their to the YouTube um <clears throat> on the website. So either one is is the same. And I think they also post everything on Facebook as well. And those are like the main three hubs of the dust content. Gotcha. I'm glad to be apprised of it. I'm, I'll look forward to checking them out. I, yeah, I awesome. think a little vaguely familiar about it. Maybe it's come across my, you know, my purview before, but I, 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 I clearly haven't uh, spent much time with it, but I will. And nice. uh, there's a lot so of cool stuff on there. Looking forward to checking it out. And also, again, people should check out. You should check it out. You <laughs> yeah. should check out. You should check it out. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Which yeah, is uh, just at its uh, 40th episode. And maybe by one of the posts, maybe the 41st or second. And uh, subscribe. We'll do this again soon when you have another project you guys want to talk about. I'm happy That'd to bring be you back. That's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I'm Love sure there'll be, another th- there'll be something else real soon at this yeah. rate. <laughs> well, yeah. You don't know because you you know, you're so spontaneous. and. <laughs> Exactly. It's it's just jazz, baby. It's <laughs> right, exactly it's improv jazz. I may be closer to there for a while, maybe through the summer. I'm I'm, I'm kind of figuring it out. My I I have to figure. I have to take care of some legal things. Um, I had a recent loss, and uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I have to kind of take care of a little business and cleaning out an apartment. I'm hoping by the end of June that'll all get done. You have been done, and then I can follow my son out to Los Angeles. So I might be awesome. out in that area for you know at least up till the fall. I don't. I don't know. I'm oh sure. damn! So for a while, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, holler when you get out here, so we can grab a beer. Assuming that bars are open by that point, <laughs> yeah. I hope they well, are. We, we can go to the. Uh, we can go to uh, Joshua Tree and just keep a little distant, or to the beach, or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. I yeah, I mean, that, it seems yeah. like the, yeah. at least out here, there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. So here's uh, yeah, hoping. Yeah, 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 but it's better to be there. I think. I uh, look forward to that, and I look forward to meeting you, jo- uh, Greg, rather sometime. Oh, absolutely! And, yeah, likewise. Yeah. We can jam sometime. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I'm sure we could figure something out. Um, I'm, I'm, maybe by the time, and I should be more optimistic because if I keep at it, maybe I'll I'll have my chops back by the time I I do meet you. you there know. you go, gold. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> awesome. Good luck, cool man. And, All right. Oh uh, well, yeah, so I'll I'll be in touch with once we yeah figure out dates okay. and things, and then Wonderful. that'll be great. All right. Stay safe and healthy. And uh, we'll stay in touch. Sounds good, man. You too.
And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Again, youtube.com slash filmwaxradio. And stay connected to all of our video content as well as the podcast. Until then, get out there, do your civic duty, and uh, take care of yourself and the ones you love. Until next time. Just when I thought it wouldn't get no sicker. Woke up one morning and heard this weird-ass motherfucker talking out the side of his neck. Me and all my peoples, we always thought he was straight. Influential motherfucker when it came to the business. But now, since we know how you really feel, it's how we feel. Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah. I like white folks, but I don't like you. All the niggas in the hood wanna fight you. Surprise the nation of Islam ain't tried to find you. Have a rally out LF. No, sir. Home of the Rodney King Ride, we don't give a fuck. Black students, ejected from your rally. What? I'm ready to go right now. Your racist ass did too much. I'm about to turn Black Panther. Don't let Donald Trump win that nigga cancer. He too rich, he ain't got the answers. He can't make decisions for this country, he gon' crash us. No, we can't be a slave for him. He got me appreciating nobody way more. Hey, Donald, and they ain't one that follows. You gave us your reason to be president, but we hate you. Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump. I don't like your yeah, ass. Yeah, nigga. fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, no. fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, nigga, fuck Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, fuck, fuck Donald Trump. Trump. Nigga in my trip and let me know. I thought all that Donald Trump bullshit was a joke. Know what they say when rich niggas go broke. Look, Reagan so cold. Obama so hope. Donald Trump spent his trust for money on the vote. I'm from a place where you probably can't go. Speaking for some people that you probably ain't know. This pressure built up and it's probably gonna blow. And if we say go, then they probably gonna go. You vote Trump, then you probably all dope. And if you like me, then you probably ain't know. And if you been in jail, you could probably still vote. If we let this nigga win, we gon' probably feel broke. You build 